go, you beautiful baby. There comes a time in a young cat's life to learn how to be a gremlin. Why? So that the humans will feed you. Pay attention. Watch. Coda, we're trying to read Soul of the Dragon, where Tommy has to deal with being a father. Stop it. Has Coda been reading this book, too? You fool, I can't read. But I am teaching the kitten a thing or two. Coda, what are you doing with that morpher? I am the mighty morphin green ranger of your timeline, and... Oh, Coda's so cute with his morpher. I'm gonna give him treats. See, kid? I told you they'll feed you. Hi, I'm Cat with Gun, Ashley. And I'm Tommy's lower back issue, Sid. And this is Ranger's Play, and where Sid, lifelong Power Rangers fan, takes me, Ashley, Power Rangers newbie, through the mighty Morphin world of Power Rangers. And this month, we're going back to the Boom Comics with their first standalone story, Soul of the Dragon. Uh, so, what is Soul of the Dragon about, you ask? Many years after Tommy's last hurrah as a ranger, He's trying to focus on having a normal life with Cat after retiring from being a teacher. However, after his son JJ goes missing after apparently quitting SPD, he teams up with SPD officer Anara to find JJ and a mysterious figure known as the Witch. Tommy is armed with a Master Morpher, but is running out of morphs, leaving Tommy to wonder what comes next. And um, I should also note that this comic was written by Kyle Higgins, uh, who was the mainline uh, Power Rangers writer for a while, current uh, writer of Radiant Black, uh, with uh, pencils and ink done by Giuseppe Cafaro, uh, colors done by Marcelo Costa, letters by Ed Dukeshire. The cover art, uh, we usually don't note that, but we'd like to note that this cover art was done by Nick Robles, who is the artist on Euthanauts, which is a book that was written by Teeny Howard with him on art. You should read it. It's amazing. It's fucking gorgeous. Yes. It is, it is amazing. It will change your perspective on death. And then finally, we have a special consultant, Jason David Frank, because apparently you can't do anything about Tommy without him needing to weigh in. Can I talk about Tommy? Can I talk <laughs> about Tommy? It's a good oh, I honestly don't blame CM Punk for telling him to leave him alone. <laughs> I don't. I don't either. Oh, oh my goodness. Just, um... I, I, I feel like they could have done better if they just didn't have JDF just going like, I want to talk about what I think Tommy's cool with. Right. And she's like, okay. <laughs> um, so I guess kind of talking about, because uh, we know this is usually where we kind of go over like what we liked and didn't like about the plot. But, it, you know, it's a comic, so we'll kind of get into it with the characters. So I guess like, you know, we're kind of complaining a little bit about Tommy. So let's start with our main focus, Tommy Oliver. We all know who Tommy Oliver is. We don't really need to explain who he is, but let's check in where he is now. What we know about Tommy now in this book is that he's somewhere in his mid to late 50s, getting really close to 60, and his back ain't what it used to be. Oh, oh no. It's like a constant thing that comes up and it's like, well, Tommy, your back sucks. Yeah, your, your back is real fucked up. 
Uh, which he claims that he injured it in a car accident, but it was really because he was doing a Power Ranger shit when he was way too old to be doing Power Ranger shit. He was sneaking out doing death matches. <laughs> exactly. Um. So, and at the beginning of the book, he's just retired from being a teacher. Now, uh, the guy who's holding the ceremony, I think might have been the principal or of the high school or the superintendent of the county, whatever, uh, talked about like, Oh, you know, he's chosen to leave us and retire, but it sounds like he was forced in retirement because his department was being shuttered. It's also, like, it's really weird to note that it's no longer Reefside that he teaches at. It's, like, a completely different school. Yeah, like, I, I forget what the name of it was. Like, it was, like, Baymont or something like that. Yeah, something like that. And they just were like, fuck you, Tommy. We need We need money for our football team that doesn't go anywhere. Yeah, exactly. So kind of the early part is that, you know, Tommy's dealing with his back pain and like early on he drops his wife Kat, which we'll talk about Kat in a bit, at the space airport from the future. She's going to Aquatar and uh, No, it was Triforia. Triforia. She was leading a she was leading a field trip to Triforia. Yeah, Triforia, sorry. One of those planets. Not KO thirty five. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so she drops so he drops her off at the airport and like this kind of sets things in motion of where she's like, you need to go, you know, get your back checked out. And when I'm back, you know, we're going to, like, actually spend time together and figure out what the future is. And while he's at home, he gets a call from his adult son, JJ. Yeah. Who's like, hey, Dad, how you doing, you old man? <laughs> yeah. Like, it's it's slightly antagonistic in a way of, like, what it's like talking to your parents when you're older, you know? Yes. Or maybe it's just my parents. <laughs> uh, sometimes you can get a little bit like that, but particularly when you're like that age and you're start, you, you kind of are getting firmer into your identity. It, it kind of feels like that sometimes, right? Which makes sense because JJ definitely comes off as like probably at the youngest twenty one or oldest yeah. twenty one, but definitely out of high school. So it's like, yeah, he he's definitely kind of like keep up, old man. Like, the future is now. The future is now. We eat ass now, old man. <laughs> Tommy's like, um, ugh. <laughs> yeah, so basically, throughout this entire story, is that, like, Tommy is just kind of dad no matter what happens. Oh, yeah, he, he is such, he is such the father. And even when, they, like, he's like, I'm Tommy badass, there's always some sort of dad thing that kind of brings him back down to earth. Like, trying, yeah. to, trying to bribe a bartender was great. Yeah, it's like, why are you bribing this bartender in a gang bar with 20 bucks? Hey, I have 20 bucks here. I almost feel like he was trying, like, when my dad would make fun of bribing, he right. would be like, ooh, I got the shiny Washington. <laughs> that doesn't that doesn't butter your biscuits? How about a Lincoln? Ooh. <laughs> Yeah, that's basically Tommy's energy in the bar, but he doesn't even get the chance to escalate to like, oh, I could top a, a Hamilton on top of that. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> he, he, he would, like, ooh, I have an Alexander Hamilton for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so a big thing about tommy in this besides being like he's a dad and his his badass days are kind of over and also the fact that he's got a fucked up back 
uh, is that he, there is kind of a device here called the Master Morpher, uh, which has access to all of his, like, power coins. Yeah. And so it allows him to kind of flip through, like, you know, he can change into the Green Ranger, the White Ranger, uh, Turbo Red, Zeo Red, and uh, Diamond Thunder Black. Uh, but... Which is, I, I think it's an interesting plot device, especially if, like, you know, you got to see all the veteran rangers who got multiple power sets get, get to have that. Like, I feel like Cat should have one somewhere that is, like, Mighty Morphin Pink, um, Zeo Pink, and... Turbo Pink. Uh, Turbo Pink. Yeah. Same thing, same thing with, like, Adam and others. Especially since, like, we do see, um, you know, later on people still can get access for the powers. I think it's like, well, yeah, you should probably give legacy rangers that were on multiple teams that. Yeah, like, that makes sense. Yeah. Like, give TJ a Master Morpher. Yes! Oh my god. TJ deserves it. TJ yeah. and Adam for Master Morphers. Honestly. Also, I'm just kind of like, because you brought this up when we were writing the episode about, like, Tommy clearly has the turbo power coin in there, so I'm like, does he split that with, like, TJ? Like... How does that cause, work? Yeah, because, like, in my head, because I know that, like, you, like we all know turbo was split, basically split in half between two casts, and in my head, like, TJ is just sort of the red turbo ranger. Yeah. Like, it's like, yeah, I, I, I acknowledge that Tommy, you know, had the power early in the season, but it's like... Yeah, so I'm just sort of like, so, you know, he's not going to fight his turbo self in Dino Thunder, but, like, he's going to take the turbo powers for his Master Morpher. Yeah, it's it's, it's kind of like, huh, interesting. Yeah. But, yeah, so the interesting thing about the Master Morpher, besides the fact that it exists, is that it's basically wrecked at this point. Like, yeah. Tommy is, has used it so much, and it's been damaged over the years, that he is on his last set of morphs in this book. Yeah. And, like, once he, you know, once he, like, hits the Dino Thunder morph, the Zeo morph, uh, the Turbo morph, it's done. He's not morphing anymore. Yeah. So a lot, I think, kind of that is, like, the physical metaphor of a lot of this is about Tommy learning how to pass the torch and finally move on with his life. Yeah. Because uh, that was one of the things... I guess two things I want to bring up with this, because one of them was also uh, what you chose the title of the episode we had kind of recently with uh, Christopher Daniels and wrestling and referring to an old promo of Dusty Rhodes talking about laying these old bones to rest and like how you kind of don't want to just give up, even though you realize like you're getting up there and you're getting older. Uh, and then we talked with kind of tying this back to MMPR Pink where uh, Kimberly, when she wrote her Dear John letter and where she came from, she basically came from, like, I need to move on with my life. Yeah, and I find it interesting that, like, Kimberly is able to move on so much earlier than Tommy. Yeah. Because, like, a lot of Pink was about Kimberly giving up this part of, like, basically her childhood. Uh, I mean, you know, she's still a teenager in uh, Power Rangers Pink, but, like, she's recognizing that she's not really going to be a ranger anymore. Like, this is something that has so steadily defined her life for, like, the past several years. And, like, it, you know, it has, it comes with some large emotional weight, you know, physical, spiritual weight of, like, being the savior of the world. 
and not just the world, like the entire galaxy as it is. And she walks away to pursue her own life, but she's still kind of struggling with like, if she made the right decision, like what is the way forward? Um, so I find it interesting that like, she's able to move on in her teenage years. Like, cause she realizes that like, this is something that she can't be forever, but like, it's still going to be a part of her. Whereas Tommy, he's been so ingrained in Ranger stuff since he was a teenager that he can't let go or like he's struggling to let go. Oh boy, do I bring up, cause this just got announced and I want to bring this parallel up. So I guess I will. Do you mind spoilers for Stone Ocean? No, you know I don't. Okay, so we're gonna get a bit of a spoiler thing. You can you can move past this, but it has to do with Jotaro as a father to Jolene. Mm -hmm. And right. how, because like Tommy, his entire young adulthood and teenhood was dealing with Dio Brando and everything that kind of branched out from Dio with Egypt. He becomes basically a neglectful father Mm -hmm. trying to not only escape that whole thing, but trying to make sure his daughter, Jolene, doesn't get trapped into it. And he ultimately fails because Jolene uh, gets arrested on... She gets framed for murder, basically, by... It's gonna sound so funny. She, she got framed for murder, basically, by one of Dio's ex-boyfriends. And <laughs> I wish I was fucking kidding. So she gets framed for murder... She's getting in the jail system where this guy works and everything, and Jotaro realizes that, and it's mm -hmm. just, like, a very similar situation of, like, he couldn't let go of his past. He couldn't let go of the fact that, D you know, there was this whole thing with Dio and how it just kept haunting him, and it ended up, like, wrecking his relationship with his kid and fucking up everything in the end, basically. And right. it's like, you see kind of shades of that with Tommy almost when they do good stuff with Tommy. I think when, when not being influenced by JDF being like, look how cool I am. Right. Uh, Tommy's op like core character really comes from the fact he's never given up being a ranger, almost to a detriment. Right. And like, you know, it's affected his relationship with his like kids and like, I'm sure it's also reflected his relationship with Kat, because Kat, once she was, like, done with Turbo, she was done being a ranger. Yeah. Like, she's moved on. She he went, hasn't. <laughs> she went to fucking England and became a dancer for a while and stuff, and I'm, I'm kind of wondering, oh, man, this is just me speculating, I guess, is, like, does JDF wish Tommy got married to Kat? Because I'm like, you're bringing Kat down, man. Yeah, oh god. I'm like, well, because it's like, I know that, like, in, in the Power Rangers, like, future Christmas episode, like, Tommy and Kat are married, but it's like, we don't have to, there's a lot of things in Power Rangers we don't have to adhere to that we don't adhere to. We don't I, have to adhere to that. <laughs> I mean, if you look at where, uh, what, 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 like, when you look at where Spike should have been born on the Power Rangers timeline, that was when Skull was either invisible or a monkey. So we ignore <laughs> things in Power Rangers consistently. Yeah. So like, we don't need Yeah, we don't need to stick to canon for a Christmas episode. Where, like, it just to me it's like you don't even see how they reconnected or anything. They just 
reconnected because it's like she's not in Dino Thunder. They're not married there. Yeah, so like I just I'm trying to figure out where where that happened and why that happened. It's like that. It, it's like, but it goes back to I think Tommy can't let go. Of course, he married a former ranger. He can't let go of being a Power Ranger. No. Even when he's almost 60 years old at the oldest. Right. So I guess we kind of talked about our, uh, our kind of our old man of the series and how he kind of drives the plot. But so let's move on to kind of our, our, I guess not really second fiddle, but kind of, uh, who is Anara. She is a half alien who works with SPD and she is friends with JJ. And she specifically comes to Tommy when JJ goes missing. Yeah. The, the kind of whole plot kicks off is after a call with JJ. It was just kind of antagonistic and catching up, sort of. Uh, you know, Tommy's out buying groceries and he meets Anara. Who's like, oh shit, JJ's missing. Yeah. And basically she's like, listen, JJ told me if anything happened to him, come find you. And that kind of gets the plot in motion. Yeah. Um... So I guess Inara's whole thing, besides just kind of being, you know, JJ's friend, is that she is kind of a representative of the future in terms of, like, this is what, um, it's just, okay, because we have noted for here, because we've already made the future is now, old man joke, um, <laughs> but, like, there, I found this really interesting bit from her on, like, page 46 of our, of our version where she confronts Tommy after the botched, like, bar. Um, basically, they go to the bar to try to get information, and Tommy just fucks it up. Um, and she goes, Hey, I'm not the one who completely botched the bar situation. I told you not to just go inside. JJ is my friend. I came to you for backup because the grown-ups didn't believe me. But I didn't come to you so you could cut me out. Besides, you may be some legendary Power Ranger, but that was a long time ago. You don't know who anyone is. And, as we've just totally established, you're not going to ha have your Ranger power for that much longer. So the way I see it, you need me. Yep. So, and I feel like that is sort of the crux of why she's here, is that Tommy, in his whole, like, well, I'm, you know, I'm a badass Power Ranger, I can handle this, has just sort of forgotten how to handle anything. <laughs> yeah, and all he does is go beat up guys in alleys and get his back broken or whatever. Yeah, broken further. So she's basically here to, like, drag him back down to earth and just being like, no, like you, we can't just do the things the way you used to do things. We have to go this certain way. And like, you can't, you're not just allowed to cut me out because you don't want to, you know, deal with me. Yeah. It's like, it's like, it's like, you got to learn how to be a team player again, Tommy. Yeah, exactly. Um, also an interesting thing about her and we'll talk a little bit about her or about this later is that she knows a lot about morphing technology Mm -hmm. uh basically through her father <laughs> we are definitely gonna we're, talk about we're, we're that we're gonna get we're gonna get touch on that don't worry yeah uh so she knows a lot about morphing technology and she's the one to notice that the master morpher is deteriorating yeah like what i forget which power coin she holds up i think it's the turbo one but she noticed she's like look at it it's dust now basically yes yeah, i know uh, it's the dino thunder one because dino thunder, dino thunder one. yeah okay yeah, anyway, yeah, one, of, one of them was just like it's dust now old man yeah <laughs> So, yeah, so she's kind of there to kind of get the plot moving, and, like, you do get to see, like, bits of her character, 
Like she's very, she's clearly very smart. Um, she kind of has her own like family issues she's dealing with, and she's trying to. At times, she's trying to advise Tommy not to let JJ slip away from him the way that she slipped away from her own father. Mm-hmm. Um, because you know, at this point, it's implied that her dad's dead, so she can't really reconcile with him. Yeah, and. You know, but she's also got a little bit of that snark, as I just read, is that, like, you know, she's, like, she goes to Tommy because no one's listening to her, telling her what's going on. So she kind of has to go around and, you know, think of another way. But, like, she's not going to let Tommy do what he wants just because, like, oh, he's Tommy Oliver. He's Tommy Oliver. Master of Power Rangering. Right. (laughs) (laughs) God. Uh. One of the things that I wanted to point out is I just really liked her character design and how she looked. And I'm like, I just loved every, like, a lot of things about her. I'm like, wow, I hope we get to see more of her. Yeah, like, I also loved her character design. It was just an absolute, like, evocative look. Like, cause they don't really say, like, what alien species she is. But, like, I loved, like, kind of the, like, the face, like, not tattoos, but, like, the like her markings and, like, her haircut and, like, yeah, uh, Giuseppe did a great job designing her. And, like, he did a lot, a great job designing everybody on this. But, like, her look is just so evocative. And, like, definitely shows that divide of, like, um, young woman who who is living in the world in the future as it is today versus Tommy who's, like, going around in his nice winter coat. <laughs> <laughs> it's a badass-looking winter coat, I'm not gonna uh, lie. Oh, yeah. No. But yeah, I do hope that maybe sometime in the future we'll see more of Inara in the comics. Yeah. Someday. Someday. Uh, and then, uh, kind of going on, uh, we now are going to be talking about Tommy and Kat's son, J.J. Oliver. And- yeah, so J.J., interestingly, um, as we don't really cover, is that he's he's in SPD. Uh, he's also deep, deep undercover for SPD for most of the book, and we don't find that out until, like, towards the end. When he kind of um, ha- has a fight with Tommy about it. Yeah. Uh, as Sid liked to note, that he got most of his looks from Cat. Good for him. Good for him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so, because, weirdly enough, because he's undercover, like, Tommy thinks that he's gone evil. That's, like, a huge point, I think, with Tommy. Is it's like, oh, I don't want to fail my kid and have him turn evil. It's like, well, <laughs> he's not evil, but... <laughs> So when it was showed that it was that he was just undercover, which like the whole undercover thing was kind of bugging me throughout the entire book because it was like once you find out he's undercover, it's like why did like nobody tell Tommy? Like I get that like you know I get that Anara didn't know like because it's like oh we can't compromise the mission, but like I feel like when Tommy went to Sky, like Sky could have said, look I can't give you the details, but just know. JJ is safe, and if anything happens to him, we will let you know. Yeah, like just, just be completely vague about it. Yeah, like just imply to him that he's on a mission. Don't like leave this whole like, oh, JJ quit SPD, and we don't know why. He just oh turned his back and ran. Yeah, oh God. Yeah. So when we find out, yeah, JJ was just undercover. At least this whole confrontation between Tommy and JJ. Kind of just about why JJ did that instead of just being up front. Yeah. 
That's kind of like the biggest thing to note is like JJ has this huge complex with being Tommy's son, and we we just don't blame him for that. Like, as much as we rag on like the whole myth of Tommy, there is that myth of Tommy in Power Rangers. Like people, like Tommy has he's been through like several different teams of Power Rangers, even at in his adulthood mentoring a team. Like. He's a big deal in that world, and, like, imagine trying to live up to that guy's shoes. Yeah, like, especially when, like, if everybody who is a ranger knows that your dad's a ranger. Yeah. Like, oh god, that must suck. Especially when you enter, basically, the police force that has to deal with being a Power Ranger is, like, Ex- the main thing. Yeah, like, I wonder how many times he would get asked by, like, I don't know... I'm trying to think of, like, who... Would Sky be that asshole, even though he's, like, basically in Kruger's position now? <laughs> Sky would possibly that uh, be that asshole. I think Bridge would do it in a very innocent way, though, because Bridge loves to talk to people. He's a very people person. Right, and, like, he... But, I, yeah, I don't think Bridge would realize that, like, yeah, that's a sore subject for JJ. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, I think Bridge would be like, oh, and your mom's cat, too! Yeah, and he's just like, please stop talking. (laughs) But yeah, I think it's just like, yeah, I don't blame him for just being like, oh, I don't want to be Tommy Oliver's son because it just puts so much weight on you. Yeah. Um, But things I could say get more or less resolved when like, in kind of the climax of the book is because JJ gets kidnapped to be a human sacrifice to Lokar. And Tom, but so Tommy has the last, like, He's down to his last morph on the Master Morpher. It's the Green Ranger. And instead of Tommy just, you know, using that last morph to defeat our, our villain, Scorpina, which we'll get to her in a bit, um, he throws the Morpher to JJ and lets him have it. Yeah. Um. So I think that was, like, a good way of kind of, like, visually tying it all together. Oh, of, yeah. Like, the, the The visual metaphor. Yeah, because it's like, yeah, obviously Tommy is somebody who has a hard time letting go of the fact that, you know, he used to be a Power Ranger. And it's not just him letting go, but it's like passing that torch on to JJ. Yeah. Um, Which I feel like I'm repeating myself, but, you know, <laughs> we will hammer <laughs> that point home. And so, and at the end of the book, like, you know, after he says his goodbyes to um, Kat and Tommy as they, they go off to on Tommy's retirement adventure, he gets the dragon shield. Yeah. To- Tommy finally lets go at the tender age of possibly 60. And JJ's like, hey, cool, I get to carry on the, le-, like, kind of more or less, like, doesn't feel burdened by carrying on the legacy of his father. Yeah, because, like... It's his own now. Yeah. Which I just thought was just a nice way to kind of put a put a neat little bow on it. Oh, yeah. It's, it's Power Rangers. You need a neat little bow on things at the end of the day. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I guess kind of moving on is... Uh, he's kind of a minor character in this, but I feel like he's a significant enough minor character that we felt like we need to include him in our main. Uh, is Finster. I was particularly very happy that at least in this uh, iteration of Power Rangers timeline, he survived the Z-Wave somehow. Yeah, because, like, you know, if you remember back to our In Space episode, we really hated that, like, all of the monster characters, like, kind of just disappeared during the Z-Wave, which sort of just implies that, like, Zordon committed a mass murder. Yeah, just, Um, just, just, like, if you're just, just, like, a little bit monster, 
you're going to turn into Thanos dust. And it's like, that's not cool. I mean, we hate Elgar, but that's not cool. Yeah, like, so it was nice to see that Finster survived and, like, got to have this really nice life just being an old man making art. Yeah. Um, and I, I found it just to be very sweet, which just made what happened later even more heartbreaking. Yeah. Um, so they go to Finster just because, like, they need to find J. they need to help track down JJ, and if they're, they are dealing with, you know, somebody who can use magic, um, that they kind of need something that's going to help counteract it, which unfortunately does not work. Yeah. But... So they basically go to him for help, and unfortunately, when Scorpina finds out that, you know, Finster was the one who gave them the information, uh, she decides to tie up loose ends, and she actually ends up killing Finster. Yeah, Ken destroys his, like, apartment studio and, and kills him. Like, they come mm -hmm. back to him, and it's just, like, laid the lace, and it was, uh, it's one of those, like, when... Comics does good visuals, it's chilling, and that was one of the times it just, uh, his, like, death and crumbling to dust was, like, it could only be delivered, I think, by that, the, the comic paneling that it was, because it's just, was yeah. this, like, almost, like, stair steps of just this gradual, depressing thing, and, and while, like, and underneath, like, it was just black panels, if that makes sense. Yeah, because I was about to say of just like because they do these elongated panels to kind of like give like it, it, this it, the impression that like the crump like the way that the clay finster that is kind of giving the last like speech is just sort of crumbling into dust. Yeah, and it's just so evocative, and like that's like the power of the visual medium of comics is just being able to like convey stuff like that in in such a way. Like I love I love creative uses of like, you know, writing and and comics that are like that. Like so so last night I was catching up on uh two uh two hundred twenty or two thousand two whatever, the latest um John Boyce online story. And there's this one part where they're trying to they're doing a countdown and he does it all through automated emails. Oh my god, that's beautiful. And I have never been so tense scrolling through what is basically text of automated emails that is telling somebody that he only has so many seconds in order to finish a play. Yeah, it's... And, like, I, I, I just love when... I, I just love when art can convey stuff like that. And I feel like it comes across great here in the comic of, the, like, how they portrayed, like, Finster fading out of the universe. Um, and... Yeah, it's one of those things that's like, yeah, you could have had this in, like, a short film or something. It would have had to have been delivered in such a different way with the language of film. And yeah. so that that particular paneling, I, I just feel like I really want to point out, is, like, that is the language of comics right there. Oh, yeah. All right, I'll, um, sort of moving on to our next character here, kind of our last of our, our quote, quote, good guys is going to be Cat uh, Hilliard Oliver, who we know that she's also a teacher, but we don't know what she's a teacher of. Yeah, it's just kind of ambiguous. I'm guessing, I would say art program, but they would have shut that down too. Yeah, but she, I, it seems like she either teaches at a different school or like, um, at least her program has not been shut down to the point that like, you know, like the field trip gets canceled. 
And she could also be like a like a kinder like a uh primary school or elementary school teacher. Cause that was shown in, in Power Rangers, so I'm guessing maybe younger kids too. Yeah, I could see that. Cause like it seems like Tommy's teaching at the high school level. Yeah. So like she kinda she's mostly there to kind of check in with Tommy throughout the plot. Like, you know, she's the one who tells him to go to the doctor and like, you know, I think she calls him at one other point, too, just to see what's going on. Yeah, I think on Triforia, which that's kind of neat. Uh, Technology-wise, you could just make a cell phone call on another fucking planet and it goes right. to another planet. That's fucking neat. I mean, we live in, like, this part, we're in a future where, like, you could turn an entire police building into a Zord. So, like, why can't you, like, <laughs> have a cell phone call all the way across the universe? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> This has kind of been some of the better writing that we've seen with Kat, but it still just feels kind of like there's something missing. Yeah, they just delegate her to being Tommy's wife and Tommy's mother of his kids. Like, there could be more than Kat. Yeah, like, I like seeing them, like, because I love that scene of them in the car when he's dropping her off at the spaceport. Oh, yeah, that was great. Yeah, it's a very nice scene of, like, I know they're not old, but, you know, a married couple that's been together for a while, and they're very supportive of each other. Like, I loved that. That was some very great writing, but it was still just, like, I wanted to see more from Kat, because, like, Kat is just, she kind of just gets relegated to just being, ever since her first appearance, well, not her first appearance, but, you know, in the episodes where she gets the Pink Ranger powers, that was, I feel like that was the most she had been as an autonomous person. And then ever since then, she's just basically been second banana, especially like emotional second banana to Tommy. And yeah. I want to see more. I want to know of like how she was able to move on from being a Power Ranger. Like what was life like for her when she went to England? Like yeah. what made her go back to Tommy? Like what sparked that whole thing again? Yeah, like I don't. It's like, why would you go back to, I guess, your high school sweetheart, question mark? Yeah. Um, so, like, I it's like, I just have so many questions. And it's just more of like, oh, no, we just have Kat here to be like, I'm I'm Tommy's wife. I'm a mom now. I'm a mom to an adult son. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Um, justice for Kat, as always. Yeah, <laughs> um, we, we, it's like, Kat is such an had such this interesting character when you first introduced her and as was right she was pretty autonomous up until they're like well she has pink ranger powers and we're just gonna use her to replace kimberly and like that's it's not how you do things in fact it was like you had this neat build with this girl because she was like evil and she broke rita's spell herself right and it's like so we're just not going to touch back on any of that? Okay. Or or how she encouraged Kimberly to go to the Pan Global Games? Yeah, like, what? I don't know why this keeps happening. Yeah, it's just like, again, this is some of the better writing we've seen for Kat, but it's just like, quit putting Kat in these almost second banana rolls to Tommy. Like, actually let her shine. I think yeah. is what we're going to try to say to I guess if anyone's listening to to us at this point, that's way high up there on the chain of command of what to do with Power Rangers. Uh, we're just asking you to do a little bit more with Kat. Yeah, have her have a comic. With a gun. With a gun! That was fucking great where she shot up with a gun. 
Yeah, she shows up at the end to rescue JJ, and she's she's packing heat. <laughs> yeah, like, th- that sounds great. Kind of uh, going into the villains of the series, uh, or this, this is, um, there was really only, like, one main villain to really kind of talk about, and that was Scorpina. Who's still hot. <laughs> she's still hot. So, basically, uh, from... She she got blasted in the low cars dimension, and she's been trying to steal Rita's magic basically this entire time. Mm-hmm. And that's also, I believe, how she uh, dodged the Z wave. She was in this dimension. Yeah, she specifically says that. That she was kind of tucked away into this dimension. The Z wave just passed her by entirely, and then um, and also like when she kind of comes back from low cars dimension because time worked weirdly. She's not placed, you know, back in like. 95 with you know back with rita and all of that or because like, i think the last time we'd see her was around 96 97 yeah because she showed up in turbo i think or was it zeo i think she showed up in zeo possibly yeah, yeah I she showed up I, in I, zeo i think it's because it's like goldar come get your wife right but like she also had like the encounter with adam so i was like trying to remember, oh that was like, season two was it season two that, that was season two Okay, whatever. But yeah, so like she's not put back in like Mighty Morphin time. She's now in like the SPD future. So she goes around dealing these uh, dark energy crystals that give people ranger powers uh, with the moniker of the witch. And initially they kind of set up this red herring that, oh, maybe Rita's like gone bad again. And, um, uh, but no, it was just Scorpina. It was Scorpina all along. <laughs> So, and because Finster's also there to kind of explain, like, the dark energy crystals. We kind of forgot to touch on that. Um, but basically, she decides that, like, she needs to, like, she's already been given lots of power by Lokar, but she wants even more. So she basically takes uh, JJ back to that dimension. And so basically to set him up as a human sacrifice, so that way she'll be the most powerful, like, uh, magical being in the galaxy. And it was like, I think it was tied explicitly because he was Tommy's kid. Yeah, and like, I, I love the fact that like, she's like, no, I'm not gonna tell you anything, JJ. And then he's like, oh, come on, I'm about to die. And she's like, okay, fine. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, which, you know, she falls for the, the classic like, villain trick. <laughs> she's monologue. I'm gonna monologue yeah. of why I chose you and why I'm doing this. Aha! Yeah. JJ's like, that gave my mom enough time to, like, have a gun. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, because JJ's not tied to the rock when Lokar comes through, he's just like, well, fuck you, girl, I'm gonna eat you instead. <laughs> just yum. And that's how Scorpina goes out. <laughs> she, she goes out, and she goes out like like someone's fetish art, loving Vor. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Sid I did. said, yeah, Sid said they weren't going to make a Vore joke, but I knew they were lying. <laughs> <laughs> she got bored. And it, it, it also wasn't like fetish art, by the way. <laughs> yeah, it was It was kind of brutal, honestly. Yeah. That's one thing the comics are with Power Rangers. It's like, we can show some of the brutality here of things. Yeah, like, it's not like gross gross but it's very clear it's like oh she just kind of got her soul sucked out and her body um, oh man yeah so yeah but she did have um something i thought was really cool is like 
towards the end, she tries to pull this ultimate power move of breaking all those crystals at once and kind of gets this ultimate, like, form. And I thought that was just a very cool design. Yeah, but seen my final form! Yeah, it's a very, like, JRPG boss. It's like, you, you, you defeated her in her, like, weakling form, but then she hits this power-up and she's even bigger and you gotta be like, ah, shit. <laughs> ah, shit. Like, like me when I was on the- oh, God, so flashback to young teenage me on the phone with, like, my high school best friend. We were just chatting. I was trying to beat uh, Lady Unalaska in Final Fantasy X. And my brain was just like, wait, she has another form! <laughs> and I said it out loud. That's like, uh, it's like, you turn into a boat and you gotta mash X a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Kingdom Hearts, but Power Rangers. Oh, God. Please, just... no. No Kingdom Hearts, no. but Power Rangers. Could you have imagined if one of, the, like, the Kingdom Hearts main, like, uh, stories came out while Disney owned Power Rangers? <laughs> I think it did. Well, yeah, but, like, you know, if they had, like, included, like, a little Power Rangers universe. Oh, God, that would have been funny. For, and, and, of course, Disney was like, fuck Power Rangers. Yeah, it's like, we didn't really want Power Rangers in the first place. And, like, I have a copy of Disney War. I'm going to read it before, like, we get to our big overview early next year. But probably, <laughs> it probably would have been, like, SPD World or something. Yeah, exactly. Uh, maybe something closer to like uh, Neo Neo uh, San Francisco. That's it. In uh, <laughs> uh, Big Hero Six, I almost said Neo Tokyo. I'm like, no, no, that's <laughs> not it. That's that's it's definitely like, not Disney. Yeah, it's like no, it's like no, it's not silver. It's not the silver crystal Tokyo and Millennium, <laughs> whatever that happened in Sailor Moon, where we all just accepted this new moon goddess as our, our world ruler. Uh, take me to that future, God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, and I don't, like, it's definitely not Tokyo 3. Yeah, it's definitely not Tokyo 3. Thank, we like, do not need Avon Gillian but Power Rangers. Oh, God, no. <laughs> now I'm just remembering the Nagano tapes intro. Never mind. <laughs> okay, we're good. <laughs> Alright, we're good. So, kind of, that's it for kind of our main characters. So, kind of, let's hit our honorable mentions. Uh, so, we kind of mentioned him previously so sky's back in this one he's got cool anime scars yeah because you know it's to indicate a passage of time (laughs) yeah he didn't have glasses to indicate the passage of time but he did have cool anime scars yeah there's there's two main ways you can like show a passage of time in comics glasses or cool anime scars (laughs) sky got cool anime scars but he had to be stupid to get the plot going Right, because, like, instead of telling Tommy, as we mentioned earlier, look, JJ is working on something right now. He has not quit SVD. He's fine. And if anything happens, we will let you know. It's, you know, being the good chief of police. Yeah. Or, quote, quote, good. But, like, you know, at least, like, saving face as chief of police. Yeah. Instead, he's just like, oh, well... JJ quit SPD. We don't know why. And, like, I get it. He's got to act stupid to keep the plot going. But, man, he's still an asshole. We just want to eat Sky to oblivion. Yeah, I'm just like, I'm done with Sky. I'm absolutely, I was done with Sky when we got to the end of SPD. (laughs) I was done with Sky halfway through SPD. I have a feeling he shows up in Hyperforce in some way. We're going to cry. Oh, God. Yeah, Sky is just here to be Sky. (laughs) Which is the worst. 
And then we had, like, a bunch of the gangs and the leaders of the gangs. And they were just more of a means to an end. They had cool looks. Like, Maurice looked like, uh, to bring Mass Effect into this, he kind of looked like what, if they were actually trying to make the Turians a sexy alien race. Right. <laughs> as opposed to accidentally making the Turians into the sexy alien race. Because they don't Wait, understand well, actual monster fuckers. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it felt kind of like Turian, but humanoid and sexy. Yeah. Um, and then what they called them was like the, he was like the leader, or at least one of the gangs was called like the Iron Raptors or something like that. Yeah. Which is just an objectively cool name. That is very cool. And, uh, but Lokar just kind of shows up, which cool, he was like a brief appearance in fucking like... MMPR. He shows mm-hmm. up, he eats Scorpina, and he leaves. That's basically it. Yeah, he's he's mostly this there to kind of be the invisible big bad, and then, like, he just sort of bounces. Like, there's no fight. He's just like, I'm hungry! I'm gonna eat you! Ah! 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 So, anyway, that's kind of it for characters. So, let's kind of talk about our odds and ends. So, this is the part where we gotta talk about Anara's dad. Um... <laughs> Boom, Fox! Yeah, I was just like, it's one of those, like, that, you know that comic of, like, somebody made about Kingdom Hearts where, like, Goofy meets up with Max and, like, Donald and Sora are just like, Goofy fucks? Goofy fucks. <laughs> <laughs> like, when, like, as soon as I realized the implication of that they were trying to put down of, like, that Anara's dad was Boom, I was just like, who? When? <laughs> <laughs> I, what? Boom <laughs> fucks. Like, I, love, I love Boom. I can't imagine him, like, having sex at any point ever. Like most Power Ranger characters, let's be real. Uh, yeah, true. Like, but yeah, I was just like, he, it's like, he, he, he got a date? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, wow. Um, but also, that's kind of like, you know, if we're going with the implication that Boom's her dad, it's also like, oh, man, that's that's really sad that, one, he's dead, and two, like, he was sad that his, like, he tried to, like, he had hoped that his daughter would become a ranger and was sad that she didn't. Oh, man. By choice. By choice. It's like, oh, man, that's... It's kind of, it's like, it's weird to think about Boom having a kid, but then, like, the reality of it is like, oh, that's depressing. Yeah, it's like, oh, he's dead. Oh. Yeah, uh, but kind of moving on from that depressing and weird to think about point, I have to say that the action in this comic looked really good. Like, I loved, I loved so many of the action scenes. Oh, yeah, the action was just great, well done in this comic. Uh, Mm -hmm. Even if some of it's being performed by an almost 60-year-old man. I mean, we we watch, like, wrestlers around that age be amazing. Right. It's so weird thinking about how the Rock and Roll Express can still go in the ring and they're, like, 60-something. Oh, God, yeah. Or, like, how old is Too Cold Scorpio at this point? He can still hang? He's (laughs) 54? Right. So he's getting getting to his mid-50s, so... Right. And, like... Like, he could still hang with, like, the young guys. He, like, he looks and wrestles great. Yeah, so it's just, yeah, it, it's not like we haven't seen that, but it's like, T- Tommy has a shit back, so it'd probably not help the action. But no, it's it's great. Right. Um, And um, 
one of the things we kind of pointed out, or, or a kind of weird sticking point, I think, for it uh, was JJ could have been a more the central character and it might have been a stronger story. Yeah, because I was just like, I kind of, like, I was kind of hoping more for maybe something that was more like, you know, the Mitchells versus the Machines in terms of, like, trying to talk about how parents and children relate to each other. Yeah, it's, because that, bringing up Mitchell versus Machines, is like, that's a common kind of thread. Like, the mm-hmm. Goofy movie operates on the same level of that, and a bunch right. of other kind of more or less coming-of-age stories where the kid is now, like, a young adult and clashing with the parent. And it's just kind of like, no, nah, it was just mostly Tommy. Yeah, so, like, we have this, you know, we have this whole story with Tommy not knowing what's going on with JJ, but it's like, I want to know from JJ's perspective of, like, what it's, like, what he felt like, you know, growing up with, you know, his dad being, like, the most well-known and quote-quote powerful Power Ranger and you know how does he feel about that how is he feeling about seeing his dad nearly blow his his undercover operation like like uh, yeah i would have i think i would have preferred it if maybe we had alternated perspectives or had it focused just on jj i feel like an alternate perspective definitely would have worked with the within the medium of comics you definitely could have had that right but it's just like yeah and I guess the other point is, like, when does JD, where does JDF's input begin or end? Like, how much did he input? I know this was around the time Saban Brands still was in charge of MMP, uh, of Power Rangers, but they mm-hmm. were in talks with Hasbro, basically, at the time to sell. Yeah, because, like, in, on the back, because on the front of the comic, it says Saban's Power Rangers, but on the back, it says licensed by Hasbro. Yeah, so this this was kind of developed in that weird time period. And I feel like knowing that, that kind of, like, Saban as a company and, like, JDF and how they build that brand of Tommy, I feel like that you definitely saw that pushed in there and then, like, other people, like, like Kyle, I felt like, maybe wanted to explore more than just what was being pushed. Yeah, I mean, obviously we can't speak for Kyle Higgins or anybody yeah. like that. Um, But, like, it did it did feel kind of sometimes like it was that conflict with itself a little bit. Yeah, it, it's one of those, it's like, we're definitely not speaking for any of the writers on this or, and artists. It's just, it's just like, there feels like there is that solid conflict there of how to portrayal Tommy... Because, like, there's definitely kind of Tommy the brand that, that, you know, Power Rangers wants to present and, like, how to make Tommy a way more interesting character. Mm-hmm. So something I, I noticed, going back to the uh, the scene in the bar, we're in, I, I would say, 2030 in the comic. I don't know when, uh, but definitely the future. Yeah, they said about 2035 at the, like, latest, possibly, in this comic. Yeah. Why is Andrew Jackson's face still on money? <laughs> yeah, it's like, why is he still there? So I'm just like, I mean, clearly they redesigned, like, the way that the $20 bill looks, but why, like, why Andrew Jackson? Why? <laughs> uh, he, he stinks. Yeah, he sucks. Like, I'm not, I don't know if he's the worst president, but he's certainly in the top ten. <laughs> he's certainly, yeah, he's certainly top ten worst presidents. On top of, like, he tried to, de- like, I never got why his money, his face was on money. He tried to destroy the centralized banking system. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, why? Like, oh my god. Old Hickory is a weird choice to put on your money. Yeah. Um, <laughs> kind of, I just wanted to harp on that for a second, because I was just like. Oh no, you're fine. 
It's like, it's the future. We could have other things on our money. Isn't it like Harriet Tubman supposed to eventually get on the 20 anyway? Some point, maybe. Like, that was proposed during the Trump administration and then got, like, paused mysteriously during the Trump administration. So I don't even know anymore. (laughs) We don't know anymore. Money is fake. But I won't go into that. We will get, like, angry bros from Reddit if I said what I wanted to say about which is faker. (laughs) (laughs) I think you know deep down what I was about to say, which is faker. Yeah, yeah. Um... Uh, anyway, so kind of moving on, uh, as we said, Tommy is such a dad in this book. Just, oh my god. Just, just, he's, he's like one step away of telling JJ a dad joke, and JJ's like, I'm 20 now, dad! Yeah, leave me alone! Stop it! <laughs> uh. No, it's just, you, you definitely wanted to bring up that, that callback, though, with Billy and Miss Fairweather. That was kind of neat. Oh, yeah, because, like, at some point, uh, when Anara is looking at the morpher... She specifically says, uh, is this, is this one of Cranston's or maybe Fairweather? Uh, when she's looking at the Master Morpher, which I just thought was just such a nice callback to, like, both Billy and Miss Fairweather. Yeah. Basically, she's proving that they are two of the smartest people in this universe. Oh, yeah. 100%. And also maybe alluding to probably Billy maybe did do his own team. That's, like, a big, that's a big fan theory that I know, uh, David, like, subscribes to is Billy has his own team. Okay. Um, which would make sense, especially being on Aquatar. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and then, uh, kind of finally, as we mentioned him before, uh, cause we do want to talk about that, uh, uh, Nick, cover artist Nick Robles delivers on the hot men once again. Yeah, I don't even, I don't like Tommy, and I'm like, woo, look at this older gent version of Tommy. This is nice. Yeah, I mean, it helps that he doesn't really look like Tommy that much, but like, <laughs> People were kind of complaining about that. I'm like, why are we complaining? This is a beautifully drawn man. Yeah, it's like, that's one of the reasons you hire Nick Robles. Like, <laughs> like a- ask our friend Emma. She will tell you all about Indigo from Youth and Ots. And I love Indigo how that so was a much. bisexual awakening for her. Oh my god. <laughs> I, I agree, but... Yeah, yeah, I mean, yes, Indigo is beautiful, and he is a sweet boy. I love Indigo so... Like, let's just, I can turn into the Euthanauts podcast for a second. (laughs) It's it's not like I, like, convinced my favorite wrestler to read it. Yeah, no, I I try to convince everybody to read Euthanauts. (laughs) Like, I am just like, (laughs) if at some point in the future I meet Alex Shelley, I'm sure it's just going to turn into that whole Eddie Izzard bit about, like, the French loaf, but instead I just throw Euthanauts at him and just say, like, bye! I love you! (laughs) So, yeah, read Euthanauts. It's a great book, and we love the Nick Robles cover here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, let's kind of get to our final verdict, which is, we liked it. Yeah, we liked it. I'm not the biggest Tommy fan, but I generally like the story. Uh, it was a fun story to read in the evening, and the action was well-paced and beautiful. Uh, JJ and Nara are characters I would love to kind of see more in the future stories, and it was kind of nice to see old faces, even though at one point I was like, the the blue centurion, what the fuck? Yeah, I was like, how is he here? <laughs> also, uh, there was like somebody in the background that like, I don't know if they had the Shadow Morpher, but they looked like Kruger. Yeah, and on the side note, when we talked about Fencer, it was nice to see, say goodbye to some old faces. 
I guess my big problem with it is more like where the myth of Tommy and Power Rangers lie. And it felt like it kind of clashed with the story sometimes. Mm-hmm. But overall, it was just a blast to read and fun. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, Yeah, I'm going to sit here. I like the story and art a lot, even if it wasn't my favorite of the Boom comics we've read so far. It felt like a nice retirement story for Tommy. Though I kind of wish it was maybe more in the alternated perspectives or focus more on JJ instead of making him this distant figure. It was sometimes hard to reconcile the Tommy myth versus the Tommy reality, but it's definitely worth the read. Alright, so that's going to be it for our July episode. We know it was kind of a short one, but we always appreciate y'all listening to us. As always, uh, we'd like to thank Kate Nix for her amazing theme song. Um, you can find her on Twitter at, uh, is it the Goblin Mother now? It's the Goblin Mother now. Yes. Okay, so at the Goblin Mother on Twitter and I believe also Instagram. Uh, KateNix.com is where you can find her band camp, her merch, and streaming. Uh, as of this podcast, Lullaby Lounge is currently on hiatus, but it will be returning on Tuesday, August the 17th. And uh, during the summer, right now, she is releasing Lullaby Lounge in podcast form. And then, of course, we want to thank Joe Hunter for our art that you see every time you download our podcast, wherever you download your fine podcasts. You can find Joe Hunter on Threadless at joehunter.threadless.com, on Twitter at Joe underscore Hunter, which is also his Patreon, and on Instagram with Joe Bloody Hunter. Uh, Beast Heart Strikers with Land Pits, you can find that on uh, Comixology. I believe um, at the time we're recording, the third issue will be coming out soon. So by the time you're listening to this, the third issue should be out where we have a little background cameo. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, also we're very proud of Joe for this because we mentioned Radiant Black earlier, which is uh, written also by Kyle Higgins. Um, I just added that to my comic box. It is such a good series. But Joe had a backup in Radiant Black number four. And we're very excited for him. You can also pick that up on Comixology or whatever local comic book shop you pick up comics. Like, you should check it out and also just read all the other issues of Radiant Black. It's ridiculous how good that series is. And then, of course, we want to thank Kurt Yoder for editing the podcast. You can find him on uh, Twitter at TheGreatSG. And also, he has a special Twitter for his pixel art, which is GreatSGPixels. And then on Etsy, you can find his work and purchase it. At Great SG Creations at Etsy. I almost repeated myself there. Oh, well. <laughs> uh, our wrestler of the podcast. Um, like, we, we thought we kind of wrote ourselves into a corner last month making it uh, Christopher Daniels. But we remembered. We have our, our old man, Ace. <laughs> no, he's not that old. But we have our, our, our older Ace over at New Japan Pro Wrestling with uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi. Yeah, he's a big Kamen Rider fan. He's actually been in a Kamen Rider movie. He's great. We love him. Go Ace. Go Ace. If you meet him, mention Common Writer. He'll talk to you about it. Yes. Like, Sid figured this out. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then uh, you can always find us on, uh, well, for me, you can always find me on Twitter and Instagram at, at MissKittyF. I'm trying to use my Instagram more. I know I'm bad at it. And then, of course, uh, if you go to my Twitter, there's my link tree that has links to all of my shops, including... My square shop, which is ashley-leckwell.square.site. I have plenty of masks and tote bags and zines available. Uh, you can purchase digital versions of my zines on itch.io and uh, Gumroad. Uh, yeah, that's where you can find me. All right. And you can find me on uh, Instagram uh, and Twitter at Velociriker. I'm currently trying to get back into Instagram. I don't know. 
I'm just kind of like, yeah, on Instagram. Uh, I also have a cat Instagram, Witchcraft in Cats, where you can see Coda and Joe, as well as Henry and Blackjack. I also have my uh, soap and candle store, Coda's Magical Crafts, uh, which is at codas-magical-crafts.square.site. Uh, but you can also uh, check it out on uh, Coda's Crafts on Twitter and Patreon at this time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I have Adam and Kimberly things. Come buy them. Yeah, uh, I have used the Adam soap, and I'm using the Kimberly one right now. I love the I'm a Frog soap, and the candles, uh, Arrow Through the Heart candle smells amazing! Alright, and then, as always, for us, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at, at @rangersplain. I know I need to use our Instagram to, uh, more, so I will be trying to this week, this month, hopefully. And then, uh, you can also find us on Patreon at at Rangersplain there for less than $2, uh, for about $2 a month. You can access so many goodies from us. And uh, we also have our special sticker of the month club, which so far is recording. Nobody's joined yet, but we're going to keep harping on it. Uh, and then uh, you can always find our show notes and links to where you can find us online uh, for podcasting through oh, rangersplain.wordpress.com. Also, if you are uh, listening to us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else that allows you to uh, rate and review podcasts, we would love it if you would give us a five-star review or and a review. Uh, that just kind of helps us get more of a boost and kind of helps us beat the algorithm. So uh, even if you can't join us on Patreon, that helps us out in a way that you do not have to pay any money for. It is completely free to do that. So uh, yeah, what's going on next month? Man, Ashley, I feel like I need a break from Power Rangers, but I don't want anything Ninjor keeps sending us. Yeah, we gotta figure out how to block him. Um, well, follow me on this. I do have memories of one Saban action show from when I was a kid that I found again on a very strange YouTube channel. But you aren't gonna like it. <laughs> Did you say R or aren't? R. You know what? How about next month? We're going to take a trip to Union City and meet up with Lobo Fuerte, Turbine, and Maria Valentine with Los Luchadores. Luchadores? Sweet! I love Chico El Luchador. Hope he's in it. I don't remember, but we'll find out. As always, thank you all for listening. We'll see you next month, and in the meantime, stay safe, get vaccinated, double-check your news sources, and may the power protect you. Go. Just play.